Warning. The following content has been deemed inappropriate for the radio. It may also be inappropriate for children, offices, or sensitive grandparents. Please put on your headphones or find a safe place to enjoy this Ask Me Another bonus round. Hey, everybody. It's Ophira. So one of my favorite things about our show, uh, of course, is meeting and hanging out with our VIPs. And it's pretty amazing that they come on and they are brave enough to be quizzed on public radio. But also, they're very cool, and a lot of them let loose on our stage. One of my all-time favorites, you know him as the writer and director of the cult film Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Our VIP was John Cameron Mitchell. We had an amazing interview that we had to edit down for radio because of timing, and there were some explicit bits. But here it is for you, for your listening pleasure, the full interview. I've never been introduced as a Tony winner before. (laughs) I felt like Patti LuPone. (laughs) Uh, What do you usually do on a Wednesday night, by the way? Does this feel at all usual? Uh, what was I going to do? I was going to jerk off and... Can I say that? Uh, I mean, for the podcast. I've seen... <laughs> <laughs> or I, I jerk off or I listen to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on your Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you know... There's a market for certain kinds of podcasts, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> podcast to jerk off to is an amazing right. iTunes category. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all I want to say. So you, you, you won this Tony recently for Hedvig and the Angry Inch yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. The Revival. It's the best job I've ever had. And, and for any of our listeners who have not seen it, right. uh, can you give a quick summary of Hedwig and the Enemy? It's a tough thing. To, I mean, oh, I can yeah. summarize Well, it. you know, it's about an East German uh, punk rock singer uh, who, to get over the Berlin Wall in the 80s, used to be a boy, had to become a woman so he, he could marry an American GI. And escaped to freedom, and then a year later is divorced watching the wall come down on bootleg cable. So it's a musical journey uh, of uh, finding your, you know, yourself, who you are. Uh, she ends up getting together with a, or creating this young rock star who kind of steals her songs and runs off, becomes huge, and, and she's you know, very bitter about that. So uh, it's a one-person show. Uh, mostly with a band and, and Hedvig's backup singer. And Neil Patrick Harris just did it and won a Tony. and does it, It's really great. He was fantastic. And the new guy, Andrew Rannells, who really, really good, very different, very different Hedvig. Um, he was in Book of Mormon and he's on Girls, is just fantastic. And it's just his first week, you know, so he's, he's amazing, you know, he's... You originated this character, and it's, yeah. you've lived with it, uh, Hedvig, for what, 20 years? Somewhere yeah, we in there? started thinking about it about 20 years ago, Stephen Trask and I. So when someone comes in to play Hedvig, how much are you involved, or how much do you want to shape it? You know, or? there's a director, Michael Mayer, but I'm there to help. You know, uh, I 
am lazy, so I <laughs> feel this is a great job where I am not really around. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I rewrote stuff for Broadway, and, uh, you know, that, that's fun. You know, I'm working on a new film now. That's a, it's a Neil Gaiman uh, story. Right. Yeah. How to talk to girls at parties? How to talk to girls at parties. How and, did you meet Neil Gaiman? Uh... I think it was, my producer was, had the rights and, and I had met Amanda Palmer first, who's his wife and they're an incredible couple that, that do things their way so well, you know, and, and, and keep it, keep the, the middlemen out uh, and go directly to their fans and they make, they produce so much all the time and I, I just did a uh, selected shorts of his stuff and he's just a great guy, he's a wonderful guy and um, and Amanda's amazing too. So they're they're real inspirations for the way they work. They work in a lot of uh, different media too, which I like to do. Right, Hedvig, the character uh, is based uh, on a babysitter of yours. Is that right? Yeah, or partially know, based. It was it was uh, in in uh, Junction City, Kansas. We had uh, a woman named Helga who took care of my brother, and she kind of looked, you know, what, what Hedvig kind of looked like. Uh, and she had a lot of dates, and me and my friend Brenda would go over to her house and her trailer, actually. And she had a she had a lot of dates. She wasn't that good looking either. And we thought, God, she's so popular. She has a different date every night, and she doesn't really know what they're going to look like <laughs> when they come up the driveway. And we would like hang out with her, and she'd give us cigarettes and stuff, and. We'd, we'd sing, you know, songs for her like Copacabana and, and, and songs that had stories. We'd act them out. And then when the date came up the driveway, we'd have to go out the back. But sometimes she'd look out the window and see the date come up the driveway, and she'd go out the back with us. <laughs> so only later did my friend Brenda said, you know, I think she had another job. <laughs> you know, and uh, so she was sort of the beginning of Hedvig, and then we... We, we added the whole, you know, uh, sex change and, and the rock and roll stuff later. You know, my dad was the military commander of Berlin in the 80s before the wall came down. And so I'd go to the East, you know, and it was uh, go to the gay bars in, in the punk rock area. So it was like a lot of stuff came together to create it. And your collaborator, uh, Stephen Trask. Yeah. Uh, who uh, wrote a lot of the wrote music, all the songs. All the songs. Mm -hmm. How did you initially come in contact with him? We met on a plane. Uh, we we were the only two people not watching the movie, which I think was when Harry met Sally. Uh, and he had a Fassbender biography, <laughs> which I think he was trying to pick me up with, and which is what you did back then, you know. You talk to people before in the internet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then we uh, met again through friends. And I was looking for a composer for a, a theater piece that was really more about Tommy, who was Hedvig's rock star boyfriend. It was more about him than Hedvig. But we we developed it at a club called Squeezebox, which was like a, a, a drag rock club that was amazing. And yeah. then it hits uh, Jane Street Theater off Broadway, right? That was the the first yeah. We took it to West Beth, and then. Uh, we create, uh, my uh, director, Peter Askin, actually built the theater, the Jane Street Theater, which is in the Jane Hotel now, who, who it's sort of a, a hipstery place that doesn't really remember us. <laughs> and now we asked if we could do our, our preview party there, and they're yeah. like, like, we don't know who you are. 
Um, Did you say, I built this place? I said, I built this city. (laughs) On rock and roll. And you guys are douches. So now, you know, it's the meatpacking district, which is, you know, douche central. It's like Euro trash and, you know. I'm a model. I'm a model. I want to be a model. Um, so now, built into the new show is we totally dissed the Jane Hotel. Nice. Um, yeah. So when, but when you were in the Jane Street uh, Theater, Westbeth, and you were doing the show 1998, Off Broadway Run, what was the initial reaction like? Shock. You know, it was the the theater audiences were really not didn't know what to make of it because drag was kind of low class. Now that it's all high class, you know, now it's all, you know. But you know, it's not as, it was just, you know, it was like not looked on with great favor by the theater community. And then punk rock wasn't either. So it was sort of stunned silence from a lot of people. And, you know, often had a lot of audiences where there was no reaction to the jokes at all. And but they kind of would lift up their hands at the end when I would sing Lift Up Your Hands. And it was really the press and, and people coming who weren't theater goers that kind of got it going. You know, it was like, it was the, uh, and there was a, some New Jersey moms who kept coming. Really? You know, this woman named Donna came like 450 times. <laughs> we like started to reserve a seat just for her. It was her only seat and give her a discount. And she was great, but she, uh, that's amazing. She had a missing tooth, and <laughs> I was like, if she could afford all those tickets. <laughs> but you know, there are priorities, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> priorities. We loved, we loved Donna. So it was like kind of New Jersey Housewives and, you know, you know some trans people and some rock and roll. So it was like we created a new coalition <laughs> of theater goers. And then when did you start to feel like, wait a second, maybe there's more of a life to this piece? We never really thought that. No, you never thought that? No, we never got ahead of ourselves. It was like whatever people were ready for, you know, there there was people said, oh, maybe we should do a movie. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And it was actually a flop originally, and people discovered it more through DVD. And so we... this. The Broadway production is the first time I've ever had actual, an actual hit in my life. Yeah, you know, okay. We always were respected, but it was, it was, you know, it's kind of amazing to be able to, to make a living. But, you know, it could, you know, offer something. Because I usually make a living in commercials and stuff. I was the voice of the, the Dunkaroos. Uh, I, I, I made a living, you know, on commercials and voices. I did the... the how do you do your Dunkaroos? And, you know... <laughs> that's... Yeah, I, I... Weirdly, I get that kind of response, you know, and I, I don't get that as much from my, you know, my work with Tony Kushner and other important <laughs> people, but it's like... Dunkaroos! Dunkaroos! Yeah, you were on MacGyver? You know, it's like, yes, but my Tony Award-winning turn on... They're like, MacGyver? <laughs> um... So it's funny, you know, what, what remains in the mind. Uh, okay, we're going to talk more all about yep. this. Uh, but right now, we're going to quiz somebody else about you. This is our grand idea. So let's welcome our contestant, Marissa Clagis. 
I know that you're a Hedvig and John Cameron Mitchell fan. I am. Would you like to give a couple of your highlights of things that you have loved? I loved Hedvig. Um, I saw it as a film years ago when I was a little baby dyke, and now I'm not a little baby dyke anymore, um, but I make little baby dykes watch it. You really do? I do, I do. Does I that give, make them lesbian? Mm, I hope they're not lesbians. I'd like them to be queer. Oh, I like that. Right? Queer yeah. is a better term. Way better term. It's an umbrella. Oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> it gives you multiple places to go. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Uh, you're I'm open a fear you're under the umbrella yeah I'm I know <laughs> and here's some exciting breaking news John Cameron Mitchell recently announced that he will literally take the wig off the shelf and reprise his role of Hedvig on Broadway starting January 21st at the Belasco Theater in New York City for more bonus rounds, just find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Just go to soundcloud.com slash NPR Ask Me Another. Check back in tomorrow to hear how Gilbert Gottfried fared at a very special show at the Friars Club. <laughs>